Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. This is McNamara on Money. My name is Kirk Reed, joined remotely by Mike McNamara in sunny Florida. We are wading through bear market survival. Right before the break, we were getting into you know having enough cash or liquidity to buy yourself some time to get through a bear market. I don't know where you left off, Mike. You were, you were starting to get on a roll and then we had to, we had to cut it. I know, for a I know. Well, by the way, I'm going to get, I'm going to take a detour here just for a second. Okay, fine. I, I, one of my favorite analogies popped up when I was listening to our precision weather forecast. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so folks, this is, <laughs> this is the way I, I think about investments. So, okay. Uh, what you need to think about in investing and how it works is exactly the opposite of how the weather works, okay? So if you're a weather forecaster, you can be pretty precise about what's gonna happen in the next four seconds, okay? Uh, and you can be pretty precise about tonight, tomorrow, okay? But then when you start to give the two or three day forecast, it gets a little fuzzy. And if you're given the 10 day forecast, that kind of gets uh, almost silly. Believe me, as a fisherman who pays attention to future forecasts, uh, I, I, I continue to use the word almost silly if you want to bet your fishing trip on a 10-day forecast. And then we get to the Farmer's Almanac that predicts weather for the year, okay? The short story is easy to make short-term guesses about things on the weather harder the longer you go. Folks, if you're an investment forecaster, it works exactly the other way. Harder 
okay, to guess what happens in the next four seconds or minute or day or week or month easier the longer you go. Uh, and that, that, that I, I made that up and I think it's one of the best analogies I'll ever do sort of a thing. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, moving along. Okay. Um, we, we like to use the word liquidity in our business because it sounds very professional. Okay. <laughs> so, so w- w- what it means folks is that you have enough money stashed somewhere under your bed, under your mattress, in the bank, safe money that doesn't move up or down in value that you can get your hands on quickly if you need it for emergency reserves or this, that, or the other thing. Okay, Uh, when we get to the grand finale here, uh, one of the things we'll say uh, and and repeat this is that, okay, if if you're well prepared with a diversified portfolio, okay, and take advantage of market movements through balancing, you've already done all that you need to do, okay, with your investments. But you need to have enough safe money to wait to be able to live your life and wait out the bad time and have it get over and move on with your life. Okay, so, so you know the, the the thing we we would always recommend any financial planner would say you need a, a pot of emergency reserves for emergencies and there's all kinds of guidelines about what that is. But let's say a six months worth of income. Okay, after taxes. Okay, so we we think that everybody out there should have a, a bunch of money in the bank rotting away these days, but at least quickly available for this, that, and the other thing. Okay, um, if you have uh, a, a three-month layoff that you didn't choose, you know why you need six months worth of emergency reserves, okay? So the emergency reserves should be kind of based on your life and, and, and emergencies, okay? Uh, and by the way, if you have to tap your emergency reserves uh, at, to, because something happened, that means you don't have to tap your money. Okay, if you're going to invest money, you want to try to leave your investment pot alone for as long as you can. And if you're going to need money when the market's turned down, hopefully you've got that in your emergency reserve stash. Folks, if you're listening to us and you're retired and you're taking income from your portfolio, I hope that you have two or three years worth of your income set aside in a warm, fuzzy, safe place so that you could take two or three years of income and wait for bad markets to get better and things to get better in the world. So so we think you need safe money, okay? Okay, short-term safe money, a pile of it to get you and your life through emergencies and for you not to have to tap your investments at what will absolutely be the wrong time given the circumstances and the situation, okay? So that's a, you know, that's a mistake you don't know you made until something bad happens. If you've never had that problem and you're wondering why you have, you know, 25,000 in the bank rotting away and you want to invest it, get over it, okay? That's your safe money. That safe money allows all of your investment money to work uninterrupted and it allows you not to have to take money out at a bad time, okay? So basically liquidity, that's the fancy, that's the fancy word. Liquidity to survive a market downturn, whether you need income, whether all of a sudden one of your kids needs to borrow $10,000 to start a business, whatever, okay? You wanna have that comfort there because it just allows you 
time to wait out bad times. Uh, did I do okay in that, Kirk? Uh, you did. You did. Was there a nugget there? The nugget. You will never know when bad times come, but if you have, if you can wait them out, you'll be okay. Okay, in my lifetime, the longest downturn market, I believe, was 2001, 2002, was 30 months, two and a half years. Okay, so in my lifetime, that's been the longest downturn in the financial market. And, and by the way, it took another four to, or five to recover to get back. So that down and up cycle was six or seven years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you at least got through the down, you're okay. You know, and, and the more you had, the better you were before you had to tap money in the up cycle sort of a thing. So that, 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 that the nugget is that because you don't know it, okay, you can wait them out. And we told you time is very important in your portfolio. You need, you may need bundles of it. This allows you to do that. Okay. All right. Mistake number 13, okay? You have an appropriate asset allocation and you don't understand standard deviations and diversification. Mm. You want to take a shot at doing that before uh, before I talk, Kirk? Or well, <laughs> I think I think that's. I mean, I think that's a good tie-in from the uh, you know having the cash, right? You know, because yeah. ha- having an appropriate strategy is is oftentimes uh, based on your time frame, and you know if you're, um, you know if you're, you know a year away from retirement and your investments are on the aggressive side, well, that's, that's probably not appropriate. And, and another reason to have cash in case, in case we go through a, you know, a bear market like the one you just described there, which was pretty prolonged, uh, because you know, you're going to be, if you don't have the cash and, and you don't have the appropriate strategy, you, know, you, could, you could be down in value you know, pretty, pretty substantially, and it's going to take a while for that to recover. And if, if you are having to, to sell off shares you know, for a year or two uh, while things are not so great, um, that's going to have long-term detrimental effects on your retirement. Um, it's it's going to affect your returns. Ab- yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Okay. So, so, okay, so, so I, I start off with people have an appropriate allocation, okay, but they don't understand standard deviations, okay? And okay. So, do you want me to so try to do that one or? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, you skipped ahead to one, by the way, but oh, that's okay, okay too. We'll get to that in a minute. Go okay. ahead. Go for it. All right. So, and you can correct me here. I'm not, I'm not a I'm, statistics major. Um, I'm just putting you on the spot here. No worries. Right. Okay. So standard deviation is, I guess if you, if you think about like a, what do they call that? A bell, a bell curve, right? Or a bell graph. Yep. Uh, that's, yep. that's what you look at when you, when you're thinking about this, you know, so that's a, that's a, has statist, that's a tough word, statistical significance, two tough words together. Uh, so a bell chart, right? So let's say in the middle of the bell is your, your average, you know, rate of return or yeah, average rate of return. And I don't know, we could call it 5% just for a, um, a scenario. Good start. Yeah. All right. And so, you know, statistically speaking, you know, most of the time, and I think it's what, like 95% of the time you're sort of under that 
under that bell curve. Uh, and then maybe 5% of the time you're outside of it on either end of the, what they call like the, the tails. Um, and so I think, so I think, you know, statistically speaking, you know, so 95% of the time you're within what's called two standard deviations. Um, so, so by the way, translate that into percentages and what it does to your investments. Okay. So, so the standard deviation is basically the, the range of, you know, the range of returns, uh, i.e. the volatility that you could see based on a certain, you know, a certain uh, asset allocation uh, based on its, you know, the, the risk associated with it. And you could look at history uh, to see what, what those ranges have been. And yeah, by the way, let, let's make up an example here. You use the 5%. Yeah. Let's, use a, let's use a 10 standard deviation. Okay. okay so, tr- tr- so for our listeners, translate that to what their account's doing. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> One or two. Okay. So, so statistically speaking, uh, 95, I think it's 95% of the time over a 12-month period of time, you should be within two standard deviations. So and 90%, and 90% for one standard deviation, I think. Is that what it is? Okay. Yep. All okay. Right. So, so 95% of the time, over, over a given 12-month period of time, you're within two standard deviations. So in our example, we're using 5% as sort of our, our mean, right, our average return. Yep. And if the, sta- if the standard deviation is 10%, so in a really good year, you could see returns as high as like 25%, right? So 25% yep. on the high end uh, is, you know, that's possible, right? Uh, yep. based, based on history and averages and things. But yep. then uh, on a bad year, on the, on the low end of the scale, uh, you could see as low as what? Minus 15. Minus 15. That, that, right. No, no mi- minus, um, minus 15, right. Okay. Right. F- folks need to understand that their portfolio goes up and down in a certain range, and, and they should expect that sort of a thing. You know, so if you have a 90% chance of it going up or down 5%, if your portfolio goes to zero, you shouldn't be surprised for a week or two or three or if you go, you know, whatever. If your portfolio on the downside, if you go down one standard deviation, at 5% return, you're down 10% on your portfolio. That's normal, folks. That, that's normal. You know, if it goes down 20%, that's still normal. So people need to kind of understand how much excitement on the downside. They, they don't care about the upside. Everybody, nobody pays attention to the upside other than they love it. But how much is it going up and how much is it going down? They, they need to understand that that's the potential swing in the portfolio. It comes with the deal. We, we show people, you know, the worst periods of time that investments did and this, that, and the other thing to kind of educate them. But folks, just because you have a diversified portfolio, it doesn't mean it doesn't go down X. And you ought to have a pretty good idea of how much that is so you can say, oh, well, that's kind of, I don't like it, but that was like what they told me about. That's a possibility here for a while, sort of a thing. People... They'll conveniently forget that until we remind them. Sometimes, I guess, would be the way to say, would be the way to say that. Okay? Right, but if yeah, but yeah. if you if you if you show show people how that works ahead of time, then at least you know at least yeah. they, at least they've seen it, and yeah. you know whether or not it sinks in, you know, it, and it, and it probably doesn't in a lot of cases, but. At least, you know, so when, when we actually go through when it. And if they call you and right. ask. And then we can say, say, hey, does this, does this look familiar? And, yeah. and, and they'll probably say, well, yeah, it looks familiar, but I don't, I don't remember the details. And, 
<laughs> and and you could be like, well, so this is, you know, it's within the range, and 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 ninety five percent of the time it is going to be within the range. Um, there, there is that other five percent when it when it might not be, but you know, those are extreme, you know, extreme bear markets, which we do see, uh, but but just not, you know, the, on the on the rarer side. Yeah, it's like a probability of what's going to happen. It's a guess; it's not guaranteed, but kind of gives you a pretty good idea what this is going to look like. This investment adventure, if you will. So anyway, so the okay, so you have an appropriate asset allocation, and you don't understand standard deviations. Problem: you don't know what is a reasonable return on the downside to expect from your portfolio. Solution: understand. Okay, be prepared. And oh, by the way, rebalance your portfolio when we have some big downward standard deviations. We'll get to that in a little while too, folks. And so the nugget is, don't get emotional. Uh, this is just math and things will probably be okay sooner or later as long as markets go higher. But, you know, understand that certain amounts of downside excitement are a regular part of being a long-term investor. End of story. And, and, and historically, almost every five years, you're going to have some excitement on the downside that might scare the heck out of you. That's the deal. Okay. Um, okay, to move on, Kirk, or any other additions you want to throw in there? Um, well, I just, you know, I had the thought about, like, talking about a Monte Carlo, but that might take too long to just to get into. We can get, yeah, and actually, yeah, say we might get to that, we might not here. Okay. okay. All right. So, so the, by the way, so number 13 was you have an appropriate asset allocation. Number 14 mistake is you don't have an asset allocation appropriate for your financial circumstances. Okay. So, so that's the, I'll, I'll read the whole thing. So that's the, that's the mistake. You don't have an asset allocation, or by the way, you don't know what an asset allocation is. That would be a mistake, okay? So the problem is, if you're not well diversified in your portfolio and have a plan, you're gonna get yourself into trouble, okay? Uh, the solution is to get an appropriate asset allocation and a plan in place and stick with it, okay? And here's the nugget. This is an important one, Kirk, okay? Okay, uh, and you quote me on this anytime you want. Having a mediocre asset allocation, or even a poor one, have, so having a, a mediocre or poor investment plan is a lot better than not having one at all. Okay, that's, that's comment number one. Okay, uh, and by the way, it's pretty easy for folks, at least with 401ks out there, and just about anybody, to at least have some kind of an allocation if you don't work with a financial advisor, because we have these mutual funds out there uh, that are known as either asset allocation funds, which are pre-mixed and pre-designed portfolios, and or target date funds, okay? So the short story is, Everybody needs to have a, an investment plan. We officially call it an asset allocation in our world. It may, basically means you have a bunch of different kinds of stocks and bonds and cash mixed up in your portfolio. You have a whole bunch of in, in different investment flavors. Uh, you, you never, you, you don't look like a 100% stock market. You don't look like a 100% cash and that mixture kind of determines your return. But having a plan, is really good folks in the world. Kirk, be my guest. Any comments on that? Or? Well, I, did, did you maybe want to, did you maybe want to explain just a bit more about what you mean by like a, like a mediocre uh, strategy, you know, relative to something else? Uh, well, sh uh, let's see. Uh, sure. 
Okay. Uh, 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 let's see. You know, um, it, it, you know, we have in our uh, in our investment models a sixty percent stock and a forty percent bond portfolio strategy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because we use we think of some pretty smart people who design models, and we think that's an appropriate mix. Well, you know, other investment firms. Other mutual funds, okay, uh, and and by the way, individual people could cobble together their own best portfolio that looks like sixty percent stocks and forty percent bonds. Okay, uh, it, 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 in in my opinion, if you do it long enough, there there. One one may look real smart for the next five years. You know, uh, you know, vanguards may look really terrific for four years. Fidelities may look smart five years after that. McNamara Financials may look smart. Yada yada. If you have portfolios that are kind of similar, there's always one or two that are looking really good. There's always a couple that are looking pretty bad. There's a few in the middle. That's just kind of the the range of how things work in the world. Well, but in in my humble opinion. Over the very long run, there's probably not a whole heck of a lot of difference between those portfolios. And what may look bad or poor this month because they have a heavy allocation of, of uh, emerging markets or bad or poor a year from now because they're tanked up in government bonds that are tanking. Okay, Over the very long run, okay, you're better off having even a mediocre plan than not. Or, 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 or let me do the, the little old lady example. A less technical oh good this is perfect a less technical example would be you could have the best investment choice in your world available to you world-class investment choice and if you're putting in a dollar a month it's probably not going to help okay or you could have a terrible investment plan inside your portfolio and if you're putting in five thousand dollars a month you're probably going to be okay in retirement okay so, so what you earn is not as important as how much you put in and save folks picking pick, pick the picking the strategy and sticking with it is, is, is more important yeah it'll be better yeah. yes indeed all right so all right we're doing uh bear market survival tips uh part two uh, my name is kirk reed uh, joined by mike mcnamara uh, we're going to take a break and we will be right back market turbulence can cause panic and you might be wondering if your investments are allocated properly. I'm Kirk Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Let me help you understand your investment strategy and ensure that it is suitable for you. Then you can turn off the financial news and move on with your life. We are back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. My name is Kirk Reed, joined uh, this morning remotely by Mike McNamara uh, down in Florida. How are we doing, Mike? Hey, we're doing okay. And geez, I got to talk fast here. I can see that. Oh, right a lot now. of, okay. We got a lot of okay. bullet points to get through. Yeah. Well, by the way, but I've, I've been remiss here. So folks, um, we've been working from a, a written outline uh, on this show uh, called How to Survive a, or Bear Market Survival Guide. If you would like a copy of it, we'll be happy to email it to you. You just, uh, you contact us at questions at McNamara on money. And your question is, can you send me a copy of your most recent radio show? Okay. A bear market survival guide. Okay. So that's number one. Can you say, can you say, can you say that one more time, Mike, the the address there? Yeah. Questions at McNamara on money. 
Dot com, probably. Probably dot com. Thank thank you, Kirk. Probably, yes. Questions at McNamaraonmoney.com. And ask for the radio show outline, basically Bear Market Survival Guide. Also, as an additional bonus... I feel like I'm selling. Call, I feel like I'm act, selling Ginsu act, knives. Act uh, fast. Okay. Yeah. Act fast. Yeah. Quick. Okay. Uh, I just sent out a, a blurb to our client base uh, on bear markets and comments and things like that. So we have a a bear market client piece that's secret information that we just mm. sent to our clients. But I thought it was so good. If anybody would have an interest, it's also some commentary from some pretty smart folks. I just quote a whole bunch of investment professionals who say some pretty cool things about down markets and wars and stuff like that. So so if you would like, uh, as, as an additional bonus, <laughs> to request uh, my piece on uh, bear markets that went out to our clients, just say radio show piece, client piece. We'd be happy to send you both. Uh, hopefully it'll give you a little comfort about maybe what's going on out there in the world these days. That's all, okay? Questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com, the radio show piece, and the client piece. That's probably the short, short-term way to say that. Okay. All right. Uh, Kirk, uh, what I'm going to try to do is in the next 10 minutes go through the last three or four mistakes and then let, allow 10 or 12 minutes for the grand finale. Oh, okay, that's, I can't that's wait for my, that. That's, that's, that's my schedule. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Okay, so you you uh, nine thirty five nine forty five nine you 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 cut me in cut me off about halfway through when I have to shut off here. Okay, but okay. anyway, so all right, mistake. You found out the risk of owning and or trading individual stocks. Problem: too much risk, or you are gambling even though. You didn't think so. Solution, don't. The only exception could be owning some of your own company stock. Nugget, it's better to own the whole stock market as opposed to trying to beat the stock market. How is that? (laughs) (laughs) It makes sense. Okay, uh, folks, I'll just read the nugget one more time, okay? Uh, It's better, it's safer, I'm sorry. It's better and a a higher probability bet to own the whole stock market as opposed to buying one or two or ten and trying to beat the stock market. And by the way, as an aside to that, okay, how many people out there would be unhappy if you just owned a whole stock market return for your life and not beat the market? A whole lot of people listening to us, Kirk, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, hey, fo- folks, hey, hey, Mike, I'm sorry, I, I, uh, I have to interrupt you, but for, yeah. but for good reason, uh, we have a caller. Okay, let's All right. do it. Uh, so we have Jerry uh, in Duxbury. Uh, Jerry, can you, are you there? Yep. Good morning. How you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Mike. What's, what's going on? How's everything in Florida? Uh, okay, I pretend I'm semi-retired for four or five months. It's not a bad gig, you know? Hey, um, quick question for you, and you may not have the answer off the top of your head. But do you know historically how the market has performed during other war periods, such as Vietnam or even WW2? Uh, if you go, in fact, I saw a chart on that the other day. Uh, 
Vietnam, by the way, it was double digits and into the 20% territory for both of those. But everything else since then has been nowhere near that down. Hmm. Okay. I, I, I'm, in fact, I just saw a chart, and if I can stumble across it, uh, I'll let you know. But, but, but just Google wars in the stock market, okay, uh, literally go, going back to World War II, World War II and the Vietnam, they were each down more than 20%, as I recall. Okay, but every other incursion or thing we've had since then has been, I don't want to say a non-event, but they average like a down six or a down seven percent because I put that as part of my piece to client sort of a thing. Okay, so it, 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 has not, it has not been bad, okay, other than those two, and those two were a whole long time ago, if you know what I mean. Yep. Alrighty, I was just wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I pulled. I found a little chart here. It was the S and P five hundred uh, around you know certain geopolitical slash military. Yep, there you events. go. I think that's the one. Yep, yep, uh, yep. So like, uh, so like the first one they list is Pearl Harbor, um, which was you know uh, December of nineteen forty one, and it it doesn't. Uh, so basically, it, it it gives a couple of times after the actual event. Um, so like one month after uh, the S and P five hundred was was negative about three and a half percent um you know three months later it was down about 13 percent uh six months later it was down nine percent and then 12 months later it was actually it was slightly positive um, yeah, by the way uh, yeah. over the long run a good long war is great for the economy and i mean i that, that that's true i i didn't say that with uh, with lust or anything folks but that's true because it gets us cranking up our economy for for all kinds of things to deal with that unfortunately i hope we never have one but wars don't we don't have recessions during wartime we have build up in economies and things jerry any other questions before we we'll let you go no take care all right buckle up jerry it's going to be okay all righty <laughs> bye-bye all right take care you know what's interesting uh, you know looking at this chart mike it's yeah. um you know there's you know several events you know all about you know you know some invasions and some things and uh, cuban missile crisis is on actually the cuban missile crisis actually the numbers are all positive across the board like big time positive uh, which is interesting um yep yep uh, the yep. pr pretty much the worst event, at least the ones that they list here, is the Arab uh, oil embargo in 1973. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, 12 months after the fact, uh, the S&P 500 was down 36 yep. percent. Um, but there's nothing else on here that even comes close yeah. to, to comparing to that. Yeah. By the way, I've seen some articles these days that say that we're more worried about interest rates than we are about war in America. And, and mm -hmm. basically, the markets basically say we are. Oh, given the circumstances. It's kind of cool. All right. Uh, mistake. Uh, having a short-term investment time frame or not having a long-term investment time, Where have you, time frame. Where have you heard that before? Problem. Well, first is what's the definition of short and long-term? Second is that short-term events and returns are random and completely unpredictable. Solution. Get over the greed thing, okay, uh, and be a long-term investor. And nugget, Kirk, I wrote this down. Investing is the opposite of weather forecasting. As long as we have capitalism and free markets, we'll probably be okay. They got us to where we are. All right, mistake. You are worried about the wrong risks to your investment. This is a biggie, folks. It's not exciting, but it's a biggie. I'll say that again. You are worried about the wrong risks to your investments. Stocks. Okay, so the, the, the biggest risk stocks, stocks come with a default risk and volatility, and that scares many folks. Okay, if a stock defaults, it goes to zero. 
A stock has volatility, it goes up or down, but it's the downward volatility that makes us nervous, okay? Problem, too much emphasis on investment risk because it sure is exciting. You can deal with these, by the way, you can deal with the default risk of a stock by owning hundreds or thousands of them, and you can deal with the volatility risk by mixing some bonds and stuff in your portfolio and not have it as exciting, okay? So you can deal with that, okay? You can't get rid of it, but you can deal with that. But not understanding that inflation and taxes are your biggest investment risk is the real problem. Okay, solution. Pick a pair to worry about. Worry about taxes and inflation or worry about volatility and default. Multiple choice, there's only two folks. When it comes to your investments, you have two choices. Worry about taxes and inflation or worry about volatility and default. And by the way, so the nugget is default risk is easily dealt with by many companies. Volatility can be adjusted to your comfort level uh, and then th those are okay. Taxes and inflation, you can quote me on this, I think they're guaranteed risks. The only way that you get wealthier is to have your investments make more than taxes and inflation take away from you. Folks, the, 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 there you have it, okay? Okay, it taxes and inflation do you sit down every year and figure out how much money you lost with the 7% inflation we had last year? Okay, do you sit down every year and figure out how much money of your profits from your investments you had to send away to Uncle Sam? Yeah. I think yeah. those are guaranteed risks to happen. Default is not guaranteed, and by the way, you can protect it. Volatility is guaranteed. You can lessen it, deal with it. You know, choice A, choice B. Kirk, comment? Uh... I mean, are you speechless? No, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Uh, I think infl inflation to me has always been interesting from the from the point of view that most people don't think about it uh, as much as they do these other things, right? That we're talking about. Uh, you, you you talk about it, and when you see a gas price or hamburger prices go up, then then you worry about it a little bit, but you don't do much about it, right? Right? Uh, yeah. And it's not it's cert but it's certainly not it's certainly not as um, as talked, as, yeah, it's not it's not as talked about as yeah. as taxes and you know what what your investments are doing. Um, so I, I you know to, I've always I've always kind of referred to it as the the silent killer. Uh, there you go. I like that. Yeah. I got to remember that. Thank you. Um, it, because well, that's, folks, we, you know, that's, yeah, that, that, that's the thing you're fighting against, yeah. whether, whether you know it or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know that you know that's why you're trying to grow your money um, so that you can continue to do what you want to do in your life. Uh, but things get, you know, things get more expensive every year, uh, you know, and, and sometimes more, more, more so than not. And, and you gotta be, you gotta find a way to tackle that. And, and so that, that is a risk, uh, just like there's investment risk. Yeah. F folks, a hundred thousand dollars a year ago spends like $9,300 today. Do you think that's a risk? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, what, what, you know, your money's only as good as what you can buy with it. Right. That's right. And if you can buy 7% less on the same chunk after a year later, A, you just got poorer, and B, that's a risk. And, and I, would, I, would, I think I'm pretty comfortable saying that most people don't want less. They want at least the same, if not yep. more. Yeah, uh, yeah. okay. So, so here, are, here are the choices with your investments. Deal with taxes and inflation or deal 
with default and volatility. Which, which of those risks do you want to bear? Okay, I'll deal with taxes and inflation. Thank you. They're guaranteed to happen, and they're stealthy killers over the long run. Right, mm -hmm. Kirk? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. You got, you got about two minutes before you need to transition. Okay. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to... Oh, yes. Thank you. This is the biggie, too. Last one. Jeez, oh, gosh. Okay. Mistake. Not understanding the fundamental reason that stocks go up in value over the long term and what is going on in the stock market doesn't have much of an impact to a prepared patient investor. Once again, mistake, not understanding the fundamental reason that stocks go up in value over the time and understanding that what's going on in the stock market doesn't have much of an impact to a prepared, patient, long-term investor. Problem, the short-term focus on the stock market is much more exciting, okay, which is therefore what we pay attention to. Solution, be a well-diversified, boring, long-term investor and own a whole bunch of the stock market. Nugget, the S&P 500 at your fingertips. Folks, uh, there's a website called the S&P 500 at your fingertips. It's some kind of a link on a bigger website called Political Calculations. We don't do much politics here at McNamara Money, but if you just Google Standard & Poor's 500 at your fingertips or S&P 500 at your fingertips, okay, a, a, a little interactive uh, page will come up and you put your birthday in and it'll tell you what the stock market has earned over your lifetime with dividends invested, reinvested, and with dividends spent. And it'll also tell you about inflation. And folks, I challenge you to find a time, okay, that's longer than 10 years where the stock market didn't beat inflation, period. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so anyway, over the long run, stocks go up. Okay. You want to bet on that and you want to make a big, broad bet, but it's boring. And if you're diversified and if you rebalance your portfolio, you don't have to do much these times other than wait, sort of a thing. Okay? All right. All right. Perfect timing for the grand finale. The grand finale. All right. Hang on a second. And we can take some time with this. Uh, um, you know what, Kirk? I'm going to read them all, and then you can pick a pick wherever you want to start. Your choice. I'm going to go over them and just read them, not comment. And then you pick one or two or three or ten that you want to focus on, and I'll let you wrap it up. Okay? okay. All right. So, okay, the first thing you need to accept is that you don't know when good and bad financial markets will occur. The second thing you need to accept or believe is that the stock markets of the world do indeed go up and down, but that the long-term trend has been and will continue to be in the future, as my hope, forever upward. That is because the only thing that drives the long-term value of companies is their ability to grow their profits over time. What goes on in the stock market any given day is of no concern to the long-term investor. The third thing you have to know is that your investment time frame is your lifetime. Thus, you don't need to check on your investment accounts daily, weekly, or monthly. The fourth thing is that you have to be able to accept that investment volatility comes with the deal. You are forever going to be taking two steps forward 
and one step backward with your investment account values. Look at any long-term stock market chart. Every time we have a down, the next up has been higher than your last up. The result is that you not only recovered what you lost, but you have more than you had the last time things were good. The fifth thing is that you have to believe in diversification. If 50% of your money is in stocks and the stock market goes down 20%, the way I figure it, your portfolio is down only 10% in value. Being down in value temporarily 10% is not the same thing as losing 10%. The sixth thing is you need to have lots of stocks and bonds in your portfolio. More diversification. You will own hundreds, if not thousands, if you are invested in mutual funds or exchange-traded funds. The seventh thing, you need to have an appropriate mixture, asset allocation, of stocks and bonds. This depends on your age, financial circumstances, and risk tolerance. A plan, a strategy those multicolored investment pies that are in your 401k or 403b plan are what I'm talking about. The eighth thing is to keep your plan, the percentages of each investment in your pie, the same size. You don't want your pieces to get bigger or smaller than the plan calls for. This is called rebalancing. You do not want your portfolio to change from what you started with. And then last, the ninth thing. I should have had 10 things, Kirk. That sounds better than nine I, things. I was going to say something, but yeah, yeah, but thank yeah it's you. okay. I'm, I'm I, I, I can it, deal yeah. with that. <laughs> Maybe I'll make up another one before we get this up. Anyway, the ninth thing is uh, I need to go back and emphasize the second thing again. Yeah. Uh, th this is the biggie. You need to have faith in the future of the world and capitalism. All of the other things discussed above you can learn or have an advisor take care of for you. This one, this one is all on you. I hope that you're up to the task. Let me read that again, Kirk. I thought that was pretty good. Okay. The ninth thing is that I need to go back and emphasize the second thing again. This is the biggie. So, you need to have faith in the future of the world and capitalism. All of the other things discussed above you can learn or have an advisor take care of for you. This one is all on you. I hope that you're up to the task. Okay, I'm done. Where do you want to start? So, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess on that last one... Because you, well, because you said it twice, I think it's worth yeah. <laughs> it's worth, repeat, <laughs> worth repeating a third time. Um, sure. So, you know, if you look at, I guess, if you look at, you know, the various types of investments, you know, in the world, or I guess, and to not even use the word investment, but um, you know, vehicles, right, or or ways to you know grow your money. Um, you know, when you, when you look at all of them. You know, stocks have you know historically have been the best way to do that, uh, at least from a from a growth uh, potential. Um, you know, best I guess the word best is debatable because of the volatility, right? Maybe you know some people don't like that that component of it, but from a from a start to end um, point, you know, stocks have been the best way to grow your money. And if if you're going to use you know that type of return 
And, you know, long-term returns for stocks are what? You know, high single digits, right? You, you yep. know, seven, eight, nine percent, maybe even 10 percent, or, you know, depending on the time frame. But, you know, if you're going to use that as part of your calculation for what you need to, to do to retire happily, then you got to stick with it. And if you're not comfortable that you can do that, then, then you've got you've to adjust your plan to account for lower returns, which means you've got to save more money or, or spend less. And, and I, you know, I, I think, you know, you have to be, you have to understand yeah. that, um, that, you know, that, that, that's, that's kind of the way it works. And there's really no way around that. If, if you're not going to, if you're not going to take on the risk associated with the stock market, which nobody says you have to, um, but then you can't, you can't assume that the, you're going to get those kinds of returns in your, in your plan. Um, I don't know. Do you have any comment to that? Nope. Uh, the the uh, no risk, no reward is a short story, and the only way you get wealthy is to make more than taxes and inflation take away from you. Those are your two biggest investment risks. Period. Yeah, yeah. and period. I mean, and, histor- and up until this point, the stock, stock, well, you know, owning stocks has been the best way to, to, uh, to do that. Yep. Um, all right. Let's um, see. I, I kind of short-circuited rebalancing. Let's sp- let's spend a little time on that so people understand that. Why, why don't you take that, Kirk? Okay. Right? All right. Yeah. So let me. Ju- I was just looking for which one is this. This is eight, uh, that would be number eight. Uh, yeah, number eight. All right. So all right. So I'll just I'm just going to read it again and then we can talk about it. Sure. So so yep. uh, keep your plan, uh, i.e., the percentages of each investment in your pie, uh, the same size. Uh, you don't want your pieces to get bigger or smaller than the plan calls for. This is called rebalancing. You do not want your portfolio to change from what you started with. All right, so you know, you just the, use two pieces in the pie to yeah, make it easy. Yeah. Okay. So the basic example that we you know often use is let's say you know you get you know fifty percent stocks and fifty percent bonds, and that's what you start with. And you know over some period of time, you know let's say a year, the let's say you know stocks did pretty well, and and now you know so now your pie is sixty percent stocks and forty percent bonds, and you know you could you know you could do nothing and just you know let it do its thing, but you know but at that point in time, you know the risk profile is different from what you started with because yeah they bought a fifty fifty, now you got a sixty forty, so. You know, rebalancing would say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna sell a piece of the stocks and and put it into the bonds to to make it back to 50 percent stocks, fifty percent bonds. And so by doing that, you're selling some stocks after they went up in value. So you're, wait a minute, Kirk, yep. I gotta write that down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, you can email that to all your listeners as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so you're taking some profits you know, after something went up and you're shifting them over to something that either, either went down in value or, or stayed the same. Um, and it's, and it's also something that in this case, if we're talking about bonds, it's something that, um, is, you know, more stable. So, you know, it's, I don't want to use the word, it's not necessarily that you're locking in those profits, but, but you could kind of say that to, to some extent, right? You know, you, you, they went up, you sold the stocks, and now you're taking them and putting them into something that, you know, is, is unlikely to go down or, or certainly as much as a, as a stock would. Um, and so by doing that, you know, you just, you know, maybe you generated a little extra return, you know, long-term in the portfolio, and you also got the risk back to what it was supposed to be. So it, you know, it has a couple of, uh, a couple of, you know, meaningful, uh, 
meaningful implications to, to doing that. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's so hard to do because, you know, if people just had two investments and they didn't think of it as a portfolio, they're going to let the one that went up ride. And they're going to let the one that went down probably sell and buy some more than the one that went up. But they, they, all investments run in cycles, folks, right. and uh, right. whatever. And yeah, so, um, you know, so this, you know, this year, you know, the, this this little whatever we're in right now, um, you know, it hasn't been quite as extreme as, you know, 2020, right? When the coronavirus, you know, broke out. I think we got about two minutes left. Uh, yeah, by the way, in that case, yeah. remember, folks, questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. Please send me the radio piece on bear markets and or please send me your client piece on bear markets would be happy to do that folks if if you missed part of the show or whatever okay all right sorry kirk i just needed to get that out there that's okay, okay. so yeah so I, you know i was thinking about you know 2020 you know two years ago you know when the market was down significantly and but if your portfolio if you got a lot of different pieces right if you got some us you got some internationals you got some bonds you know a couple different things moving on they, they typically all don't do the same thing at the same time. At least that's the hope, right? And yep. so, you know, so in 2020, you know, we got, you know, we got a few phone calls from, you know, from some concerned clients saying, you know, should we be doing something, right? Uh, do we need, do we do something else? Is this okay? And, you know, if, if anything, you know, probably all we did was, let's say, we said, let's rebalance, right? Let's take a look, let's take a look at your, at your pieces and see if it, see if it makes sense to rebalance. And that's, that's probably the only thing we would do at that time is to maybe, you know, take advantage of some, you know, price differentials, you know, in, in different marketplaces. And well, besides reminding them of what we told them to begin with. Right. And, and pulling up the, the bell, the bell curve. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, sounds like we're out of time. Uh, all right. So... Uh, my name is Kirk Reed, uh, joined this morning by Mike McNamara, uh, going over some bear market survival tips. Um, you can email the office uh, if you want copies of any of that stuff. Uh, what was it? Questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. Thanks, Tim. Uh, all right, so we are going to uh, sign off, and uh, thank you for listening. 